Good Wednesday morning. The votes are counted in Georgia. One week into December, the midterm elections are finally over. It is December 7th. This is today. Warnock wins. The people have spoken. Democrat Raphael Warnock defeats Republican Herschel Walker in a fiercely contentious runoff race, solidifying the Democrats' majority in the Senate. The impact in Washington and across both parties straight ahead. Breaking news about face. China rolls back its strict anti-COVID measures after widespread protests across the country. A major shift with big implications here in the U.S. We'll explain live from Beijing. Flu Nation, an early season surge of patients, the biggest in more than a decade, has hospitals under pressure. Is it about to get worse as the holidays approach? The former director of the CDC with us live. Hitting home, investigators in Idaho in a rare show of emotion with the case cold nearly a month after the murders of four college students. You know, we're human. We don't we don't go to these and uh, just turn it off. Um, it affects us. Uh, but uh, we have a job to do. What police are focusing on now and what's happening at the crime scene today. Harry and Meghan take Manhattan, the couple honored at a New York City gala, while the world and the palace await their highly anticipated new Netflix series set to drop in just hours. All that plus it's time. Our exclusive reveal of Time's Person of the Year from world leaders to billionaires who will be named the most influential person on the planet today, Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to today. Nice to have you along with us on a Wednesday morning. What a stunner at the World Cup. Those shootouts, you just watch them like this. Unbelievable. You know? And hat trick for some people who aren't huge soccer fans. It's one guy scoring three goals, which happened. Like they said, a star is born. Absolutely. Really a cool match. So we have lots to catch up with mm-hmm. that. We are looking forward to something special. We do this every year. And coming up this morning, it's the day we will reveal for the first time. Time's Person of the Year. So on Monday, we revealed the top 10 choices who Time had narrowed it down to. Who will it be? Well, you will find out exclusively a little bit later in the show. But we are going to start with that breaking news overnight out of Georgia. NBC News projecting Democrat Raphael Warnock has defeated Herschel Walker. So what does the victory mean for the state, the country going forward? We've got it all covered this morning. We're going to start with NBC's Peter Alexander in Atlanta. Hey, Peter, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. Democrat Raphael Warnock winning his second Senate runoff in just two years. And with that, the 2022 midterms are finally in the books. For the first time in nearly 90 years, the party in power, in this case, the Democrats, successfully defended every incumbent Senate seat. In Georgia's closely watched Senate runoff, Democrat Raphael Warnock walking away with the win. After a hard-fought campaign, you got me for six more years. In the nation's final contest of the midterms, the incumbent narrowly defeating his Republican challenger, Herschel Walker, and cementing the Democrats' majority in the Senate, now a 51-49 advantage. Warnock reflecting on his mother's extraordinary journey. She grew up in the 1950s. 
in Waycross, Georgia, picking somebody else's cotton and somebody else's tobacco. But tonight, she helped pick her youngest son to be a United States senator. Walker, a former football star and political novice, conceding defeat. I don't want any of you to stop believing in America. Now, I'm not going to make any excuses now because we put up one heck of a fight. Walker struggled to overcome a series of public scandals from allegations of domestic abuse to accusations he paid for two women to have abortions, claims that he vehemently denied. The Republicans' runoff lost more bad news for former President Trump, who handpicked Walker. From Arizona to Pennsylvania, candidates backed by Mr. Trump not only failed to win back the Senate for Republicans, but ultimately cost them a seat. All of it reigniting questions about Mr. Trump's political capital just weeks after he announced a 2024 White House bid. Overnight, President Biden calling to congratulate Warnock, tweeting, Tonight, Georgia voters stood up for our democracy, rejected ultra-MAGAism, and most importantly, sent a good man back to the Senate. Jennifer Danger, a Georgia Republican, telling us she would not vote for Walker. I still do think that it's kind of proof that Trump can't just back candidates and have them win with no substance. Once a traditionally Republican stronghold, Georgia now solidifying itself as a purple state. The Democrats with that pivotal 51st Senate seat, it's significant. It means it'll be easier for the Democrats to confirm President Biden's judicial nominees and limits the power of any one Democratic senator from blocking the party's plans in terms of policies. But remember, beginning in January, the House will be in Republican hands. Savannah. All right, Peter, thank you. And joining us now with the impact in Washington, NBC's senior Washington correspondent, Hallie Jackson. Hallie, this is the time where analysts such as yourselves get to, to read into the results. And here you have Raphael Warnock improving on his margins yeah. over November. A lot of people are saying, wow, Georgia is firmly a swing state now. On the yeah. other hand, you look and you say, well, every Republican statewide won in Georgia in November. So is this just uniquely Herschel Walker being a flawed candidate? What's your take? There's something else at play, Savannah, and you're hitting the nail on the head because you're right. It's not like Georgia is suddenly a super blue state. It is obviously not. Um, it is swingy, but there's something at play here. Donald Trump, right? What these results signal is that the Trump brand is toxic in this state because you look at those four statewide office holders that you mentioned, Savannah, and those are office holders. Those are Republicans who had spoken out against the former president and his election fraud lies. You saw them get basically swept into office in November. Now you have this runoff where Raphael Warnock did perform better than expected in really key areas like the Atlanta metro area, other metro areas in Georgia. In other words, he did better in more places where more people live. That's what helped drive him to victory. Can you explain, Hallie, for folks um, why it is that this helps Democrats in the sense of they already had a majority. It was a 50-50 Senate going in. Now it's going to be 51-49. Can you explain what that's going to mean day to day in Washington? less procedural red tape, just to put it in super plain English, right? They don't have to do this kind of power sharing thing where they split committees, et cetera, et cetera, have to work more closely with Republicans. They now have an outright majority. Why does this matter, right? And let me take my Washington nerd hat off. This matters because Democrats really want to get, for example, judicial nominees through. They want to work to reshape the federal judiciary in the way that Republicans have done under former President Trump. 
This one seat makes that easier, and it does give them more cushion day-to-day, even though it is only one seat. What if somebody gets sick? What if a couple of people get sick? It takes a lot of the power out of the hands of just one single senator, right? You don't have somebody like, let's say, a Senator Joe Manchin who can throw his weight around quite as much here. And it gives Democrats a tiny bit of a cushion heading into the next election. I know oh, we're just wrapping no, up this you one. you took it right out of I was going to say. You're, Valley, you're thinking about you're, it. You're picking up what I'm laying down, my friend. I was just thinking 2024. What does this signal, and particularly for for Donald Trump, because many observers have said, wow, for the first time you're seeing some signs of political weakness, uh, perhaps the the loosening of the grip, some Republicans having a little more courage who might want to run against him to, to speak out against him. We can't predict what the next year and a half is going to look like, right, as it comes to the Republican primary. But this is there's so much being talked about at this moment of Republican soul searching. But the bottom line is that Donald Trump's brand did not win in states where it needed to win in the midterms. We are seeing that solidified with this result in, in, in Georgia. Herschel Walker was Donald Trump's handpicked candidate, Savannah, right? So that's the sort of Trump factor in this. And yes, there is going to be this moment where Republicans, and, and you're in it, and I hear about it all the time, are looking at what grip does the former president have on the party? He is still popular among the base, but is that going to be enough in presidential battlegrounds as he's now a candidate? On the Democratic side, this single-seat victory, Savannah, does give them a little bit of a margin when it comes to places like Montana, West Virginia, and Ohio, three really important states, Senate battlegrounds that we'll be talking about for the next two years. Well, we got two years to chew it over, Hallie, so we'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Oh, let's move now to a major reversal overnight in China. So the government there announced it's rolling back COVID restrictions and lockdowns. This comes after frustrations over the strict rules led to protests in several cities. Our Janice Mackey Freyer is right there in Beijing with the very latest. Hey, Janice, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. Of course, people are happy to have the harsher aspects of zero COVID lifted. Being able to quarantine from home, it's huge. It removes the dread of being dragged away in a hazmat suit to a government facility. These changes were likely to happen, but they come after extraordinary protests that called for an end to zero COVID and then grew into calls for greater political freedoms here. That seems to have jarred the leadership, though Xi Jinping has yet to say anything publicly about the unrest. But as these rules are now being rolled back, more people are having to confront the actual virus like never before. Restrictions have been relaxed in the past, but the difference now is that things are opening up here with a lot more COVID. Infections are going to surge, people aren't really prepared, and the healthcare system has had no stress test for the wave that's coming. So the exit from this strategy could be as complicated as zero COVID itself, meaning beyond this moment of relief, which for me has been more than a thousand days in the works, uh, the sense is there are still hard times ahead with this next phase of the pandemic. Hoda. All right, Janice Mackey Freyer for us there in Beijing. Janice, thank you. Meanwhile, here at home, flu cases are rising at an alarming rate. Nationwide hospitalizations doubled in a week. And joining us now with what we need to know, Dr. Richard Besser, former acting director of the CDC, the president of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Hi, Dr. Besser. Good to see you in person. Mm-hmm. Hope we don't exchange any germs <laughs> during this, but it's going around. It feels yeah. like yeah. everyone you know is mm-hmm. sick with something. 
How do you explain this surge? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are a number of things going on. COVID isn't over as much as we all would love for it to be over. And then on top of that, every winter there are viruses. So RSV, something a lot of people had never heard of, mm-hmm. it tends to come every winter. It tends to affect children pretty severely, and, but it can affect adults as well. You put that together with an early flu season. And we are in the midst of a strong early flu season. Those things together are putting a lot of pressure on on everybody, but a lot of pressure on the healthcare system. Now, did a lot of people get the flu vaccine this year? Because I've heard just anecdotally that people are not getting it this year for whatever reason. Yeah, you know, it, it's something that's very concerning. I was talking to Director Walensky at the CDC yesterday about this, and the vaccination coverage rates for adults right now for this time of year are about half of what they were pre pandemic pandemic this time of year. And I don't know if it's because people are just putting it off. No one wants to think about respiratory infections. Everyone's tired of getting shots because of of COVID, but it's the wrong decision to make. It's an early flu season, and it may be more severe because we've had two years with very low flu. And it's been low because we've been away from each other. We've been wearing masks. We've been staying home. And normally each year, our immune system gets a little tweak from seeing those. Mm -hmm. It's been two years, and so it is really strong. Just real quick, the flu test. You know, I've heard Mm -hmm. it has a, you know, questionable accuracy. In other words, you might have the flu even if your flu test comes back negative. And what's the implication of that? Yeah, you know, I I wouldn't put too much on it. If you've got respiratory symptoms, you could have flu, you could have COVID, you could have RSV. (laughs) You should stay away from people. You should wear masks. Coming into the holidays, coming into the, the, the season, get your vaccines, get your COVID booster, get your flu shots. Because even if you're at low risk, chances are you're going to be around somebody who who isn't, who is at high risk, and you can do your part to keep them safe. I know. You have something yucky. I feel I had that all last she, week. She had something, but tested negative for the flu. We and used kind to of call wanted. it the crud. Yeah. You know, you had That's something. Right. Just, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Just some. Yeah. Dr. Besser, thank you thank so you much. Thank you very we much. Appreciate it. All right. Craig joins us now with an escalation in the fighting in Ukraine. Craig, good morning. Hey, Hoda. Good morning to you. Savannah, good morning. Russia intensifying its attacks on Ukraine's infrastructure, plunging much of the country into darkness just as the cold settles in. It's it's all in in response to a direct hit on a base inside Russia. NBC's chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel, on the ground force in Ukraine. Richard, good morning. Good morning, Craig. Russia is continuing its attacks against Ukraine, primarily targeting this country's infrastructures. And there have been more strikes coming into this city where I am right now just over the last few minutes. But it is those recent drone strikes inside Russia that show that Russian territory is not off limits. Washington says it was not responsible for deadly drone strikes far inside Russia that targeted three air bases, including one just 125 miles southwest of Moscow that for the first time brought the nearly year-old war right to President Vladimir Putin's doorstep. We have neither encouraged nor enabled uh, the Ukrainians to uh, strike inside of Russia. Russian television airing the aftermath of the drone attacks that set a fuel depot ablaze and killed Russian officials say three service members. The damage clear in satellite imagery with Russia blaming Ukraine. But the Ukrainian government has not claimed responsibility. The drone strikes are not the first time the war has come to Russia. In October, a massive truck bomb exploded on a bridge linking the Russian-occupied Crimean Peninsula to the Russian mainland. Ukraine celebrated the strike, but also stopped short of taking credit for it. This week, 
President Putin visited the bridge to show it's back up and running. The bridge attack prompted President Putin to intensify Russian missile and drone attacks on Ukraine's infrastructure, forcing rolling power cuts and blackouts nationwide. Yet Ukrainian troops continue to make slow and steady advances on the battlefield. Ukraine's President Zelensky yesterday visiting the troops on the front lines. And last night, he accepted virtually an award from the Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Organization, where he thanked the United States. I believe that thanks to your support in particular, we will be able to say one day that all Ukraine is finally free and safe from Russian terror. But not yet, as Russia is using the cold as a weapon to break Ukraine's spirit amid an especially bitter winter. To fight the cold, Craig, and build resilience, the Ukrainian government has set up warming centers, around 7,000 centers like this one. Uh, Ukraine calls them invincibility centers, and the idea is to give people a little bit of water, a little bit of heat, a little bit of power, so that they don't give up and can continue to fight against Russia's invasion. Craig? A little bit of hope as well. Our chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel, on the ground in Ukraine. Richard, thank you. Let's turn to the weather, 719. Hi, Ms. Dreyer. Okay, we do Uh have uh, that rain hit the entire northeast yesterday. It's starting to exit, although we are still hanging on to some areas of heavier rain up across New England. That's storm one. We talked about a second storm that's going to move through uh, the southern plains into the southern Midwest, too. That's gathering itself back near Oklahoma City. We'll see increased chance of heavier rain today. Same for northern Arkansas, where we'll see some pockets of heavier rain. And as this continues to move eastward on the northern fringe of it, we could even see cold enough air where there's a little bit of light snow expected. Not a lot in the way of uh, accumulation, but still we will see some flakes fly in Chicago. And then this will continue to move eastward. Rainfall, again, because the ground is already saturated, We could see uh, some isolated flooding, especially southwestern Missouri, where we could end up with about three inches of rain. And that's your latest forecast. Thank you, Dylan. Coming up next, the latest on the shocking murders that have shaken that Idaho college community. What investigators will begin doing today and the questions they still need help answering. And who was the most influential person in 2022? Mm -hmm. We've got an exclusive reveal of this year's pick for Time's Person of the Year. But first, on a Wednesday morning, this is Today on NBC. Now, 7.30, it's a Wednesday. Oh, gosh, she's so pretty. Uh, Looking live outside at our beautiful Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. It's been a little rainy, but people are packing it in, man. You know what? It's warm out there, too. That's exactly it. Tropical event. (laughs) It is. And hello to our beautiful crowd, who we'll see in just a bit. Let's get a check of our 7.30 headlines. A jury in New York yesterday found the Trump Organization guilty on all charges in a sweeping tax fraud scheme. Prosecutors say it was orchestrated by top executives at the company to avoid paying personal income taxes on perks such as apartments and luxury cars. The Trump organization could be fined up to $1.6 million. Former President Donald Trump himself was not charged in that case. Nearly two years after rioters stormed the United States Capitol, the police who were on the front lines that day were honored yesterday. It was a special ceremony at the Capitol House and Senate leaders bestowing the Congressional Gold Medal on the officers who defended the Capitol. Five officers died in the days after January 6th, including Officer Brian Sicknick. His family was in attendance. 
but chose not to shake the hands of Republican leaders Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, both of whom voted against the formation of an independent commission to investigate the Capitol riot. Breaking overnight, police in Germany arrested 25 people suspected of planning to violently overthrow the government in a far-right extremist plot. Some 3,000 officers conducted searches at 130 different sites in one of the biggest counterterrorism operations in the country's history. Officials say the suspects belong to a terrorist group aiming to overthrow the state and install its own leaders. Many of those arrested had military training and included former German soldiers. Also this morning, police will be back at this crime scene of that quadruple murder at the University of Idaho. They're hoping to bring some comfort to the families today as they begin to return the victim's belongings. Our Steve Patterson is there with the very latest. Hey, Steve, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning to you. Today, police begin that process of gathering and removing some of the personal belongings of the victims from inside of that home so they can be returned to their families. It is an emotional sign of finality and loss, but one that is punctuated by the fact that there is still a killer on the loose. This morning, the Moscow police chief says he hopes returning some personal items to the victims' families can help with the emotional grieving process. It's time for us to... um, get those things back that really mean something to those families and hopefully to help with some of their healing. And speaking candidly about the toll the investigation is taking on his department. I'm a dad um, with daughters and um, that's tough. You know, you don't, you know, we're human. We don't, we don't go to these and uh, just turn it off. This is finals week here at the University of Idaho. Only about a third of students who live on campus came back after Thanksgiving. And many of those that remain say the last few weeks have been deeply troubling. In a poignant essay, senior Katerina Hakama wonders if Moscow will ever be the same. Writing, is it still the quiet, safe, small town it was before? Where can I walk? When can I be alone? That was certainly um, a shock. Hakama showing us the first notifications she received about the murders, telling us even those who only knew the victims in passing have been impacted by the horrific crime. To know that they had lost their lives so easily was very uh, humbling and a reality check. It has now been 25 days since four college students were stabbed to death in their beds. No arrests have been made. The community frustrated by a lack of answers. Police say they're still gathering information that could lead to a break in the case. This case is not going cold. We have tips coming in. We have investigators out every day interviewing people. We're still reviewing evidence. Specifically, police say they're looking for more details about a fraternity party two of the victims attended the night of the murders. It would be nice to know maybe who they interacted with, maybe what routes they took to go home, what time specifically that they left. Investigators are also hoping to get some answers from full autopsy results that have not come back from crime labs. Experts say DNA evidence could be the key. The holy grail is blood evidence. They're looking for the perpetrator's blood to be in that residence. And Steve, some of the victims' families are not relying entirely on the police department to get answers. They're not. You know, the sense of frustration here is palpable. Everybody is afraid that the trail is growing cold. From the student I spoke to, Katerina, in that piece, who now says she is afraid that she's going to have to call her parents every time she goes anywhere for the rest of the time that she's at school. To Kaylee Gonzalez, excuse me, her father, who says he, that he's now actively talking to private investigators all as we close in now on a month. 
All right, Steve, Steve Patterson for us there in Moscow, Idaho. Steve, thank you. Right, coming up here on Wednesday morning, Harry and Meghan stepping out in New York City overnight. What they said about their date night hours before the release of their highly anticipated Netflix series. And it is a December tradition. <laughs> no, not the tree, not Christmas, <laughs> not the Rockettes. Times Person of the Year. And we're about to do the big reveal, a Today exclusive. It's coming up right after this. We are back now, 739. We've got a big exclusive, the Time Person of the Year. Every year since 1927, mm-hmm. Time has selected the man, woman, or group or concept that has had the most influence on the world during the previous 12 months. And by the way, that influence doesn't always mean that it has to be for the better. Here for the 2022 Reveal Times Editor-in-Chief, Edward Felsenthal. Edward, good morning. So good morning. We, going about this cannot be easy. You had a list, and we were all looking at your long list, and we, we thought, well, there's a there's an argument for each one. How do you narrow it down to the one you choose? Well, we, we get together every year, all of our time journalists from around the world. We were back in person in our offices <laughs> this year, which was a change. And uh, we, we debate that question you just uh, laid out about, mm-hmm. about influence. And uh, then we narrow it down. Uh, we talk about dozens of options. We get to a short list, which you Do reviewed. People advocate for people their advocate. Get ugly. Mm-hmm. Are there people, advocate, people advocate for their position. Yes. People advocate for positions <laughs> they don't really believe. It's just a, yeah. it's a, it's a debate, and it's a great way to look back at the year and who shaped it and who changed it. It seems fun. Yeah. Okay. Without do we have a drum roll or anything? Yeah. We'll let you do the honors here. Uh, this year, the person of the year is Volodymyr Zelensky mm-hmm. and the spirit of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether one looks at this story of Ukraine with a sense of hope or a sense of fear, um, and the story is, of course, not fully written yet, as mm-hmm. you were just reviewing in a segment this morning, Zelensky really galvanized the world in a way we haven't seen mm-hmm. in decades. Uh, not just other governments, but... Uh, major companies that pulled out of Russia, you know, in mass and countless individuals around the world who came together around this cause, around this country. And in addition to telling the story of Zelensky, we tell some of those stories, people who represent this spirit of Ukraine that swept the globe. Let's talk about Zelensky for another minute, because one thing that he's done, uh, aside from leading a nation through this incredible feat, is he's kept the attention of the world there. He has that ability to keep to keep us focused there. How? Well, he's a former entertainer. I think that's part of it. And he understands, as some other people of the year we've talked about in recent years do, that attention is in many ways the world's most valuable currency. And he's used that attention through speeches all every mm-hmm. day in the early days, social media. Mm-hmm. You know, he really understands the weapons of this digital age and he's kept the eyes of the world on this on this story. Well, you wrote something that I thought was so touching. You said that he proves that courage is as contagious as fear. Mm. And mm. that goes to the the, mm-hmm. the other recipient of Times Person of the Year, which is the spirit of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But that that spirit of little Ukraine standing up to mm-hmm. mighty Russia. What message do you think that sends? Well, I, I think you know none of us. I no no one was really predicting that we'd be where we are mm-hmm. nine months after this invasion. So um, I, the story is still being written, but it is it is. The story of the last few years has been one of disunity, of division. And I think part of what comes through both in Zelensky and, and the way he's motivated people, but also this spirit of Ukraine, 
is that there is unity possible, not everywhere in the world, mm-hmm. but but the world has come together around this cause in a really powerful way that, that, may, that I don't think we would have predicted a year ago. And something else time selected were the heroes of the year. And you pointed to uh, the women of Iran. The women of Iran who have um, sustained, this is the most sustained uprising in more than 40 years and uh, in a country that that clearly is ready for meaningful change and um, really powerful, courageous story there as well. I was going to say, talk about courage being Ooh. contagious. Yeah, no kidding. Bravery of those women. Edward, thank you so much for being with us. Always uh, great to- y- you can catch Times 2022 Person of the Year issue on newsstands. They hit December the 16th. Yeah, the reporter spent a lot of time mm-hmm. with President Zelensky. Mm-hmm. Dylan, let's get a check of the weather. Good morning again, everyone. Temperatures, for the most part, across the country are actually above average, except up across the northern plains, northern Montana, northern North Dakota, where we do have wind chill advisories in effect this morning. It is frigid when you step outside. Bismarck, North Dakota, it feels like 18 degrees below zero. Fargo feels like minus 22. Even Sioux Falls, a little farther south, feels like it's only one degree when you factor in the wind. Now, that's where the cold air is. On the flip side of that, we have much warmer than average temperatures in Indianapolis, 53 for a high today. Nashville close to 70. Monroe, Louisiana, 81 degrees for a high temperature. We could even see a few record highs possible today. And then tomorrow, some of that heat is good. Heat is going to move to the east. Atlanta, about 75 degrees. Raleigh, North Carolina, 64. New York City, once again, almost 10 degrees above average. And we are going to see that hang on a Again, just for a couple of days, St. Louis drops down into the 40s as we go into the weekend. Louisville goes from 62 on Friday down to 50s for Saturday and Sunday. And it looks like we'll be mostly in the 40s and 50s for the Northeast, too, which is more typical for this time of year. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Coming up on Popstar, Shania Twain, Pretty in Pink, honored at the People's Choice Award. The lyric change she made that has people buzzing this morning. We'll talk about that when we come back. Coming up, Harry and Meghan honored at a New York gala as the world awaits the big release of their new Netflix stock just 24 hours away or less. A closer look at their night out and Meghan's nod to Princess Diana. Oh, plus we are continuing our merriest Main Street series. This is a miracle on 34th. It's not the one you're thinking of. Y'all, they are turning it out at this place. Should I tell you the city or should we wait? No, let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. Okay. You can guess. They're all brilliant. 